0: Hey friend, welcome back to the Strong Mama podcast. I'm your host, Nicole, and today we're chatting about an important topic that we haven't really covered in depth here before, and that is the mental side of wellness as a mom. Moms can experience a range of emotions and mental health hurdles as to be expected with such a big life transition from postpartum depression and anxiety to intrusive thoughts and even postpartum rage. Even though some of these things can be common, there tends to still be a lot of shame surrounding them and often a lack of accessible resources to help. In this episode, I interview Dr. Andrea Niles, clinical psychologist and co-founder of Prospera Mental Health and Wellness. Dr. Andrea has studied anxiety and depression treatments and maternal mental health for 17 years and is passionate about making high-quality mental health care widely accessible and affordable to everyone. In this episode, she breaks down how to identify the most common mental health disorders, how to know when to seek support, and how you can support your postpartum mental health starting in pregnancy. I believe knowledge is power and you'll feel both in control and less alone when you have this information in your pocket during both pregnancy and postpartum. Let's get into the show. Welcome to the Strong Mama podcast. I'm your host, Nicole, mom, exercise physiologist, and pre- and postnatal fitness expert. This show is all about helping you navigate your pregnancy and postpartum journey with more strength, energy, and ease. Each week, pull up a seat for a new topic that will empower you to feel strong, capable, and confident while supporting your body through all the changes of the motherhood journey. Just a reminder that the information on this show is not meant to treat or diagnose any medical condition. Please speak to your medical provider for all things related to your health care. I'm honored and excited to be a part of your health journey into motherhood. Now let's dive into today's episode. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Strong Mama podcast. I am so excited for today's episode because it's something we haven't covered to a big extent on the podcast, but it's something that I feel is just as important, if not more, than our physical health in this time period of pregnancy, pregnancy postpartum and motherhood and that's our mental health. So today I have Dr. Andrea Niles here on the podcast who specializes in this topic and all things maternal mental health. So we're just going to dive right in. Welcome, Andrea. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Awesome. So tell us a little bit about who who you are and what you do. Sure. Yeah.
1: So I am a clinical psychologist. Um, so I've been researching treatments for anxiety and depression, as well as as working with patients, uh, basically my entire career. Um, And then more recently I I became a mom in the last five years or so, um, and really saw sort of firsthand, but also just became more aware of the fact that it's really um, too difficult for moms to access mental health support during pregnancy and postpartum when they do really need to be able to get going with it quickly and easily. Um, and so, um, so it, about a year and a half ago, I founded Prospera um, with the goal of trying to remove all the barriers for moms accessing mental health support.
0: Love that, and totally agree. I think it's we get into the postpartum phase, the early postpartum phase, and I mean even beyond that, it's still a thing. But when you're in that early depth of postpartum. And do you, like you had said, there's just not enough quick access. You don't have like the brain space or the capacity to like research all the things and like figure it out so often in that time period. So love what you're doing. What are some main challenges you see moms face with their mental health and why are these happening?
1: Yeah. So I think probably most people have heard of postpartum depression. So that's kind of on people's radar. They're like, okay, i mean make sure, you know, I'm not, I'm not sort of becoming depressed postpartum. Um, but actually the most common thing that we see at Prospera that I think is really not well known about is postpartum anxiety. Um, so incredibly common to have really heightened anxiety that causes a lot of, a lot of challenges for new moms um, of course, there is postpartum depression. Um, we also see um, other things that are not talked about that much: postpartum rage, um, uh, as well as postpartum intrusive thoughts, which are these sort of awful images of something happening to your baby or you doing something to your baby um, to harm them. And so, so women will get these horrible images, and they don't know what it is or you know what's going on. Um, and then the other one that's pretty common that we see is uh, is birth trauma and having sort of residual post traumatic symptoms from uh, from birth trauma.
0: I think you summed it up really well with all of those. I think many moms can probably relate, maybe relate to one of those. Hope I mean, hopefully not, but um, I think those are very real things that you had mentioned that are possibilities that we may experience at some point or another. Now, can you tell everyone the difference between? I know, I know, there's a lot of just jargon between depression and anxiety, and can you highlight maybe the difference between the two of those?
1: Sure, yeah, and this is something I I will often sort of try to um, pull apart when I'm talking to to a mom who's who's struggling. Um, so anxiety usually looks like uh, worry, worry about something happening to the baby, something happening to myself as mom. Um, It could be um, feeling sort of restless and on edge, trouble sleeping. It's this sort of pervasive feeling of kind of worry, anxiousness, nervousness, restlessness, that kind of thing. Um, Whereas depression is a little bit more sort of low motivation, Um, trouble kind of, getting yourself up and out of bed, just feeling sort of overwhelmed by all the sort of basic tasks of daily life. So, you might be just doing the bare minimum to take care of your baby but struggling to do things like brush your teeth or take a shower or or sort of feed yourself well. Um so I'd say those are the big kind of differences between the two. And they yeah. can certainly go together too. So you could you can definitely have both at the same time and in fact that's probably more common than not to have some pieces of both of those types of symptoms.
0: Got it. That makes a lot of sense. And are those like official diagnoses or? Yes. So, so
1: yes. So, so, um, you know, major depressive disorder is sort of the official diagnosis. And then you might have a specifier of, you know, postpartum onset, if you want to sort of get technical on how you would diagnose that. And then for the anxiety, um, people often talk about sort of anxiety in a general way, but anxiety is actually split into multiple types of anxiety disorders So you might have panic disorder, social anxiety disorder, um, generalized anxiety disorder. Um, so, So there can be different kind of types of anxiety, which differs by how the anxiety comes up and in what kinds of situations it comes up.
0: Got it. Got it. And then where do intrusive thoughts fall on that spectrum? Does it fall under one of these categories or is it kind of its own thing? How would you put that?
1: Yeah, this is a great a great question. There's a little bit of complexity there, but I would say intrusive thoughts, mostly people would report feeling anxious. So, so the intrusive thought comes and then that causes a lot of fear or anxiety. What's wrong with me? Why am I having this thought? Am I actually gonna act on this? Which is more kind of anxiety. Um, but intrusive thoughts actually technically are tied to obsessive compulsive disorder, which is in a different category altogether. Um, but that's a little bit more technical.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you could definitely go down the rabbit hole of how these are all categorized for sure. Now, another thing you touched on, which I think that many moms can probably relate to, I mean, at any phase of motherhood, but especially with young ones, what mom rage. So tell us (laughs) a little bit about that. What does that feel like? Let's start there.
1: Yeah, and mom rage is interesting. Just going back to your last question, there really isn't a diagnostic category for rage. There, there sort of is, but it's it's really kind of far removed from what we think of as mom rage. Um, and so so there so there isn't really kind of it's not really defined in the mental health world. However, I think I think it maybe it should be just because we're seeing it so consistently at Prospera and it has a very similar, presentation among different moms. And so, um, so some of the most common features are this feeling of over overstimulation with, um, could be auditory stimuli, crying, the dog's barking, you know, physical stimuli that, you know, the, the child is crawling on me and I don't want them to be, um, it could be sort of temperature or heat. Um, so, so sort of all of this sort of overstimulation, um, can be, kind of a trigger for a lot of moms. Um, The other thing that's kind of, that's interestingly common is rage is often, not always, but often comes out when a mom has a toddler, like two to three, and then a new baby who's maybe five or six months. And so you have the sort of defiant toddler, which is challenging just by itself. And then you have the baby that has these other needs. And then on top of that sleep deprivation. Um, and so that kind of situation, I think is a really perfect storm for anger or rage that wasn't experienced before by, by a woman.
0: Yeah, that's highly relatable to me. I have a three and a half year old and a one and a half year old. So we we kind of just got through the thick of that phase that you just talked about of just lots of stimulation, lots of different things going on. We had a puppy, <laughs> have mm-hmm. a puppy, and so it's just all the noises and sounds and things all at the same time. So yeah, I can definitely resonate with that feeling of just like feeling like you're going to burst because there's so much going on. Um what are your recommendations? Are there any like tips or strategies in those moments like how do you how do you overcome mom rage, whether it's in the short-term moment or long-term, I'm sure it's more of a long-term strategy, but where would you start with that?
1: Yeah, so we actually at Prospera, we have a a specific track uh, for moms who are struggling with anger um, because we saw sort of, so it was so common. So we said, okay, let's, let's create something that gives moms coping skills to manage some of that. So the first thing that we typically do is just start to identify the triggers. Um, so is it, you know, bath time when you're you just want to go to bed and your child is, you know, not getting out of the bath or, or whatever. Is it trying to get ready to go to school when you're under time pressure and your your child's not complying with things that you're asking? You know, so so figuring out sort of what is the, what are the triggers, maybe it's the context um, or the overstimulation or things like that. And then once you have kind of a better sense of that then you have ways to intervene in that moment. So your goal is to try to stop yourself from getting that to that point where you explode and maybe you yell or you do something where you look back and say, I really wish I hadn't done that. So you wanna to try to stop it before it reaches that kind of boiling point. Um, and we have lots of different ways, um, but I'll talk about one in particular, I think is sort of the most basic people have heard of, which is which is basically trying to breathe in that moment. So, so you notice that the rage is sort of boiling up and then you take a moment and you just try to s- slow your breathing and take, you know, three breaths um, and trying to breathe into your stomach. So you sort of become very aware of your breath, trying to sort of use your breath to turn down the, the intensity of that emotion. Um, I'd say the other one that's that's works really well, really commonly used is, is leaving the room. Um, and so if you can, if your children are in a place that's safe, go into another room, take a few moments there, you can do the breathing and then coming back um again trying to do that you know before you reach that sort of explosion point
0: yeah those are really good tips that i feel like we can take right away um, when we're in those moments and just yeah it all comes back to it sounds like just grounding yourself and like bringing your awareness back to your body and um where, where you even might be feeling it within your body, right? Like if you notice like a tightness in your chest, or if you notice Mm -hmm. that, like, I don't know, there's just different sensations you might get when you feel like you're almost about to that boiling point, as you said, that I think can be really good to just pick up on and create that awareness about. So thank you for, for highlighting some of those.
1: Yeah.
0: Now I want to circle back to postpartum depression and anxiety, since we've now kind of talked about the full spectrum of, not the full spectrum, but we've talked about several of these so far. So I want to circle back and just chat a little bit more about those. Now, what is typically like the first line of defense of like, if somebody notices that they are struggling with one or the other postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety, and they know that they want to get support what would be like their first action step? Like what would you recommend? Is it getting medication? Is it going to therapy? What's your take on that?
1: Yeah. So I think the the easiest thing, the thing that people often do. So they go to their OBGYN or, or primary care doctor, and then that person prescribes medication. Um, and so that's tip, that's kind of the typical thing. It's easy, it's cheap. Um, and so that's kind of what most people get, but a lot of women are not, they don't want to take medication. Um, and so, and I really like to honor that, you know, I don't, I don't want, I mean, assuming you haven't tried other options, I think there are definitely other things that you can do. So you don't need to start with medication. Um, and so the other option is, is therapy. Um, and so specifically for anxiety and depression and anger and the kinds of things we're talking about, um, cognitive behavioral therapy is kind of the first line treatment that you would want to try. Um, and so, and the great thing about CBT, I mean, there's, with medication, there's there are side effects, um, oftentimes, not, not all the time, but oftentimes there's side effects, but with behavioral therapies, there's no side effects. It's a great place to start. They can work as well as, or better than medication in a lot of cases. Um, and so if, if someone's reticent for to take medication, um, I definitely would recommend starting with cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, medication can also work really well and they can work well in combination too. So there's definitely options, you know, depending on what, what a mom's preference is and it, preference is for um, and, you know, what they're open to.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense that, yeah, there are both of those options. And I think that medication gets a bad rap a lot of times so i'm i like that you stayed neutral in that because it just really depends on the person what they have access to um but i'm sure like the long-term solution you're going to want to get to the root of the issue and the thoughts and everything in order to truly make long-term change and get off of that medication eventually right that's what we ultimately would would want um so now how how do you know that you it's I don't want to say it's bad enough, but how do you know, like when it's time to get support? Like if a mom is yeah. struggling, like how does she know I that it is time for her to get support? I think so often we want to say, oh, it's OK, it's fine. Like I'll come out of this like I'm just in postpartum phase, all this stuff. But like, when do you know it's time?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question and definitely a challenge to know. Um, I mean, I think the the amount of time that it has been going on is a good indicator. So, um, you know, if it's been two weeks of feeling sort of down and depressed most of the day, every day, um, that's uh, that starts to indicate this could be a major depressive episode, um, which is a sort of clinically diagnosable. So that's the kind of a a time frame that gives you a sense for depression, for anxiety. Sometimes it's a little bit longer. You might expect to see, you know, maybe, maybe a month that you're having symptoms um, without them kind of remitting on their own. So you have that time frame. But I think the biggest thing um, is uh is basically how it's impacting your life. Is it interfering with your life or the way that you wanna be as a mom? with your relationships, with your relationship with your child. So that sort of interference piece for um for anxiety, this often looks like trouble going outside. Um, you know, not not leaving your, your baby with anybody, not being able to do so because of anxiety. Um, trouble doing basic things like going to the grocery store. Um, so if it's really getting in the way of your sort of ability to live your life and also just not feeling present, moms will talk about that. I don't feel present. I feel like I'm always in my head worrying, worrying, worrying. Um, so that kind of interference for depression might be, you know, just do again, like I said, doing the bare minimum, not taking care of yourself. Um, and then, and then the other piece is the, so the sort of Concrete interference. How is this impacting your life? And then the second piece is the distress. So if you're bothered by it, if you're saying, I really hate this, I don't want to have this anxiety. I don't want to feel like this anymore. And that's sort of coming up for you pretty consistently um, every day, every week, then that's also a sign that that this is something that there definitely could be improvements that you can make.
0: Totally agree. Yeah. I think if it's like you had said, getting in the way of your life, affecting your quality of life, or if it's just simply your line in the sand where you're ready to, yeah, feel better mentally and take care of it, then that's a good sign as well. It doesn't have to be, it doesn't even have to be debilitating bad in order for you to seek support. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I would even argue it, you don't want to let it get to that point too. I mean. Once it get, once it gets really debilitating, it becomes harder to intervene. So if you can, you start to notice something, and you can intervene early, then it's probably going to be, um, going to be easier.
0: Breastfeeding is one of the hardest things I've ever done, but also one of the most rewarding things I've ever done. And I know there's no way I would have nursed each of my babies for as long as I have without the right education and understanding of all the ins and outs of lactation. When it comes to breastfeeding education, my go-to resource is Milkology. I've taken their ultimate breastfeeding course as well as their back-to-work pumping course, and both have been extremely valuable in just helping me feel more confident and capable to breastfeed and pump for as long as I did. They also have a course for exclusive pumping, if that's your preference. I speak from experience when I say their online courses are affordable and the information is easy and fun to digest. It's not your boring hospital breastfeeding course, and it doesn't take a lot of your time. If you're looking for a great breastfeeding resource, I cannot recommend Milkology enough. As a part of the Strong Mama community, you can save 10% on all of their courses. Just use the link in my show notes and code SMW10. Wishing you all the best on your lactation journey. Yeah, so to summarize, you really just want to be aware of these changes that are taking place like outside of the baby blues, right? Cuz we're all going to have those within the first 2 weeks postpartum of just feeling a little more emotional, feeling a little more down, but if it persists past that early phase for mm-hmm. multiple weeks and months and you're just not feeling like yourself, there could be something deeper going on there that is worth worth being aware of, worth seeking support on. So is there any way we can prepare for or set ourselves up for success while we are still pregnant? So for anybody who is still pregnant listening, how can we set ourselves up for support in that postpartum phase or set our partner up for support? Do you have any tips around that? I feel like having a plan is super key and something that I was not aware of the first time around that I really wish that I would have been. So what would be your advice around that?
1: Yeah, I think probably one of the things that we see a lot um, is when moms are kind of, they don't have that much support around them. So they're they're really sort of alone, they're doing everything, they're not having breaks, maybe their partner is not helping as much as they would like. Um, those kinds of things are um, basically make it harder to manage your emotions effectively. And so I think in advance, You know, talking with your partner about how are you going to be splitting up the responsibilities, making sure you're both kind of on the same page about um, the extent to which your partner is going to be helping Um, and then getting other people on board for support. If it's family or friends, you know, people do this sort of meal train like those kinds of of support where someone's actually taking something off of your plate. Um, if you can plan to do that in advance, I think that's, that's really helpful because these things really kind of come up when, like I said, you're doing everything yourself, um, and you don't have room to breathe or take care of yourself or have any kind of break. Um, and so getting that support, I would say is good. And then we do definitely have moms who come to us like mid pregnancy and say, you know, I just want to make sure I have somebody, you know, available for me postpartum. And they're sort of planning in advance having, um, you know, one of our our mental health coaches um, to be able to talk to as they make that transition. Um, That's particularly good for people who have a history of anxiety and depression. So they're sort of thinking in advance, I want to make sure because they're at higher risk for having these issues come up postpartum. Um, So let me plan in advance and just have that person available who I'm talking to already. Um, And if things go well, then, you know, great. And if they don't, then they have that person there already.
0: Yeah, that was actually one of the tips. I did an episode a couple months back. By the time this comes out, it had will have been a couple months back. But it is. It was all about like building your ultimate birthing team, and one of her recommendations was to, like you had said, kind of have that person on your team that mental health professional, um, lactation professional, whatever you feel like. You could possibly need support with postpartum, but you're not going to have the time necessarily or the capacity to, like, research it after the baby's here. So I think that's a really good tip of, like, if that's something that resonates with you, just kind of seeking it out early and having that person ready for you um, when you potentially need it Um, or even just to, like, yeah, support you through the rest of your pregnancy But yeah, highly resonate too with the tip that you gave about um, delegating, not delegating, but like divvying up the responsibilities in the home and with the baby, with your partner, if you have one, um, or just like other responsibilities around your home. Um, Because I feel like that is one of the biggest shockers, at least it was for me, of just like how much work a little baby is. You know, I was never the person that... um, babysat before I had kids. I never really understood what went into it. And so just to think like, yeah, I can't do it all. It was a big, it was a big thing. And so, yeah, definitely communication was a big deal and accepting help when you're offered it was another piece of the puzzle too, that I feel like all of us think we should be doing on our own, but just is not, is not always the case. Like we should not be doing it on our own. Outside of that advice, is there any other advice you would give to a newly postpartum mom who might be struggling? Maybe not even newly postpartum, but any postpartum mom who is is struggling with with her mental health.
1: So th- this is part of the reason why I founded Prospera, because usually I might say, "Oh, you need to find a therapist or you need to sort of go to your OBGYN." But now I can say, "You can reach out to Prosper because we we're really trying to make it accessible. We're available across the United States um, we're really affordable. So if you are just sort of wondering and thinking, I don't know if this is normal, I don't, I don't like how I'm feeling. Um, then you can certainly reach out to us, um, and schedule, we have a free phone consult. So you can talk to a member of the team, um, to understand more about what might be going on and whether our program might be a fit. Um, so I think that's probably my top recommendation, but I would also, aside from that, I think just going to your OBGYN, Um, because they, they should be very familiar with the challenges that are facing moms. And unfortunately women don't always get a great response or the response they're hoping for, but I think it's the first place to start because your OB can be a kind of a gateway for other options. They should be able to make referrals and things like that to psychiatry or mental health within your insurance, um, you know, platform and things like that.
0: Yeah. Great tips. Great tips. Awesome. Well, as we wrap things up, is there anything else we didn't talk about today that you want to make sure we get through on all of these topics? Maybe I'll just say one more
1: thing. I I, I was thinking about this metaphor the other day um, that, you know, having a baby is like, you know, imagine you're living in sunny Southern California, and then suddenly you're moving to the North Pole. Uh, You know, your entire life changes, you know, everything about your daily routine. And there's all these really big challenges in the North Pole. Like it's freezing and there's no, if it's the winter, there's no sunlight at all. And maybe there's snow that you've never dealt with. And so I think a lot of women are sort of confused, you know, why am I feeling this way? You know, this doesn't feel like me. Um, And I think just knowing that this is just a massive change and everything has changed in your life. And so, Um, you might be experiencing things that you haven't experienced ever before. um, And that is just I think that's the biggest part of that is this transition into a whole new whole new way of life. I
0: I think it's a really good analogy. And also, it doesn't have to be a bad thing either. I think that while it is different, and it you know we we have this like whole perspective on how big of a shift it is it is that big and there is support to get through it like you don't have to do it alone and yeah i think that that's a really good way to sum sum it up you know it's a big change and you're not alone and you don't have to do it alone well tell everyone where they can find you and learn a little bit more about prospera and what you do
1: sure so um so we have our website it's prosperamhw.com. So that kind of describes our program and how everything works, pricing, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then if you wanted to reach out to me directly, you have questions, I'm on Instagram. My Instagram is Dr. Andrea Niles. Um, and I post there a lot about different aspects of, of postpartum and pregnancy, mental health. Um, and so yeah, you send me a DM. I'm happy to answer.
0: Awesome. And we will link all of these ways to connect with you and learn more about Prospera in the show notes. So definitely check those out. Thank you so much, Dr. Andrea, for joining us on the podcast today. I know everybody's going to have some good takeaways and just feel more supported in their mental health as they transition into postpartum.
1: Great. Thank you so much for having me.
0: And that's a wrap, Mama. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode of the Strong Mama podcast. If this show has served you in some way, be sure to subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes. Head to strongmamawellnessco.com for more free resources and opportunities for us to work together. Until next time, keep moving.